episode number 39 is here. Welcome to this edition of the Growth Podcast powered by MTN Business. We're very happy that uh, you're here with us on episode number 39. Last week, um, we talked about education and uh, qualifications and whatnot, whatnot, whatnot. This week, we're making a whole 360 degree turn. Okay, I won't call it that because I think that the two intertwine somehow. Uh, this week, our focus is on entrepreneurship. Um, and I'm very happy to host a woman who is in business, has been in business. Um, I've got no recollection of her um, ever being associated with being an employee for any organization. And I feel like that is what entrepreneurship is. Because most people transition. Like, oh, I worked, 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 raised capital. Then I went into the business. But for her, it's been like the dust from day one. Um, and she's still there, meaning that, uh, yeah, there's hope for us. But for us to get that hope, we have to get the information. So like I said, it's powered by MTN. Uh, this is my 5G router. I hope you get yours as well. Um, our podcast is uploaded every week successfully uh, because MTN 5G is there for us. So like I said, my guest is here. Please um, help me to welcome the Z farmer Maria Zalumis. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. I just learned that you've got another, another name after after Zalumis or something. In between. Yeah. Zeleni. Zeleni. Ah, yeah, okay. Zeleni. Zeleni. Yeah. Yeah. Close to Zelensky. Like, are you sure I'm not from Ukraine? <laughs> <laughs> no. My grandma, my great grandma was Ndebele. She was Ndebele. Yeah. Ah, okay. And cool. it means on the way. Okay. And the Z farmer, like, whose idea was that? Like, where that name come from? Um, it came from me. I had a dream that uh, God spoke to me and he said, I want you to be called the Z Farmer because you represent Zambia and your surname ends with Z. Zalumis. Okay. Oh, so, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. The Zalumis. Yeah, okay. The Zalumis, yeah. But uh, mainly for my country because I wanted to be a representative in women farming. Oh, in women farming. Yeah. yeah. Which was, uh, which I, I feel like, okay, I, I, I may not be sure, but I feel like until you, the women yeah. farming wasn't so pronounced. Yeah. Yeah. And I must say that, first of all, well, we should consider ourselves very lucky she showed up because uh, she's disappointed so many times. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's like, no, uh, no, sorry, I'm having coffee in Switzerland. We can't, we can't make it uh. this week. Oh, I'm going to SA. No, they're bringing Chiangamolido, so we can't. This week is busy. Uh. So finally, uh, she's here. And thank you so yeah. much for making the time. Thank you so much for having me. It's, an, it's a real honor to come. Sorry about all the other times. It's just been a really crazy 2023. Yeah, I know. 2023 has been, it's been crazy so far. It's been fast. Yeah, it's um, for, been for really The fast. first quarter has just been fast yes. um, in and of itself. You have a very interesting background um, mm -hmm. as far as your, 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 your business and your career are concerned um, because you trained as a nurse. Yeah. Um, and then you came to Zambia and did farming. But first of all, where, where did the inspiration for, for nursing come from? Well, I did want to become a doctor at the time. And my parents didn't have uh, enough funds to take me to med school because it was about $50,000 per year at the time for an international student. So I thought I should do nursing. And then once I finished my nursing, I would go and do medicine. That was the plan. But then when I finished my nursing and did my postgrad in cardiology, I just continued working because I had a vision to come back and not so much be a doctor in Australia. Yeah. Okay, and, and then you came back. The interesting yeah. bit is you came back and couldn't find a job because you're overqualified. Yeah. I didn't get that. Like, like run me through that. <laughs> okay, so I applied to the nursing to the General Nursing Council. There was some job ad there. They said to me, no, you're too qualified because I've got a postgrad in cardiology. So then I went and applied to UTH. Uh, they said, no, you need to work in admin. You can't work. And that, at that time, they didn't have any uh, heart theaters or anything like that. 
So they said to me, no, we don't have anywhere to place you. And then I went to Fairview and they said to me that um, I could work, but I could work part-time. So I was still looking for a job at the time when I started farming. But then when I experienced the farm for two days, I completely changed my mind. After two days of farming? After two days of farming. You, you decided this is for me? Yes, I decided because my mom had continued the farm. My dad started the farm and then he got sick. He started losing his memory. So my mom continued on the farm, but she was a remote farmer. She'd go to the farm and come back. So I'd already found crops in there when I started. I found a garden, I think, of 20,000 plants of tomato. So on the first day when I went there, they made something like 13 or 14,000. So when I compared with a nursing salary, you work hard for one month to get that type of money. So then I said no. And then I like interacting with the lower, the less privileged people. I really just thrive on that. And just being outside, I'm an outdoor person. I don't like dressing smart or, you know, I'm that type. And I've always been like that since I was a child. I grew up with boys, so I was always playing football and all that. So, um, yeah, I decided, I said, no, this is the business to be in. And I've just always had a passion for plants. Yeah. Okay. And so you you go into 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 farming. Mm-hmm. Um my my thinking now is was it an easy decision to make to start okay, let me just start this while I wait for the nursing thing to 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 come through. No, it wasn't an easy decision to make because when I'd look at the, you know, the the plants, you know, the science behind the plants was the hardest thing to just understand, you know, what chemicals to put where. It took me, I think, about a year to learn you know, how everything goes. But I'm a quick learner. So I think after a few months, I started getting the hang of it. But no, it was a hard decision, very hard. And I had to do a lot of praying about it. Trust me, if God wasn't involved, I don't know where I'd be, but I don't want to preach. I just feel like, yeah, it, it, it was tough. Even just to understand the way the our lower class think, they've got a different mindset. To understand that has taken me a long time. Okay. Yeah. And I would like to find out, like, at the moment, what would you mm-hmm. say is your, your morning routine like? So I wake up at 4.30. Uh, first, I pray. I spend about maybe half an hour in prayer, and then I meditate. I think meditation is so important for anybody who is in entrepreneurship. It's good to wake up your mind and just focus on what the day has to offer and bring. And then when I finish that, I go to the farm. It depends on the farm that I'm working from. Sometimes I work from Tuzini 1. Other times I work from Tuzini 2. Other times I work from Tuzini 3. Now, Tuzini 2 and 3 are, are, are close by. And then, to, I mean, they're further on, but they are close to each other. Tuzini 1 is quite close to town. So I just go from home to Tuzini 1. I always start off my day from there. And then I move on to the other farms. Okay. Yeah. Do you stay close to the farms or you stay at the farm? Yes. Itself? Yes. I stay close to the farms on one farm. Okay. But I mean, fr- from Tuzini one, I stay close and I stay, there's another house on Tuzini two where we just sleep over and then we stay there for a couple of days and then we come back. Depending on the workload, where the most work is, is where I'll be. Okay. Describe yeah. for me your first, let's say six months, the farming experience. Oh, it was tough because first of all, I didn't know what to grow. So I was growing everything. I was growing tomato, I was growing broccoli, but in the first six months, I learned a lot about just starting from the planting all the way up to the marketing. It's been, it's, it, 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 it was, yeah, it was tough, but, and for people to believe in you, especially that you're a woman, you're a woman, you're coming on the scene, people are just like, ah, 
like she doesn't know anything just the stereotype of being a woman and trying to do a man's job in farming is is was hard even just going to buy chemicals you know they ask you oh what you've got a 20,000 field are you crazy like a woman oh it was tough <laughs> it was tough yeah and what kept you going I think it's passion that kept me going because when I went and I got inspired by other farmers, I would always visit other farmers like Chris and Jimmy Munjanja who are very big in the tomato business. And when I go to their farms and see what they're doing, I would get inspired and say, if they can do it, I can do it. And that type of woman who just has no limitation, I just look at something and say, okay, if this guy can fly a plane, I can do the same thing. Okay. At, yeah. at what point did you become famous? Like, where, where did social media come from? Because, like, like, farmers are seen to be very reserved, you know, like, we just about the work, <laughs> about the work. But you are, you've got followers in excess of 300,000 on Facebook. I don't, yeah. I, I don't even know how many you have on Instagram. Instagram yeah. You know, how, like, where did it come from? Well, I started these uh, tutorials of farming where uh, I would do a tutorial once a week. And I would teach people how to plant tomato. I would teach them about the difference in chemicals and things like that. And, you know, people always want free knowledge. And the minute I started giving out free knowledge on planting and woke up the whole Zambia into farming, then, and they started seeing that it was a woman, I started getting a lot of following. And then, you know, some negatives, some people wrote about negatively about me. Oh, it really worked to my good because then I just got another huge following. Just the controversial life, personal life that I've had, I think has also contributed to the following. Yeah. Yeah. And and obviously you've leveraged that. That's why you're still sitting here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and so like you said, first six months was rough. Was yeah. there any point in your experience mm-hmm. in farming that you felt like, you know what, this isn't working? Yeah, I did feel like that last year um, in July when the tomato price was going down up to 10. We actually threw away a lot of boxes. In fact, I felt like that twice. I don't I don't know if you remember, there was a cholera time yeah. when there was cholera and the markets were closed and our tomato was rotting. Then we sent a truck to Kasumbalesa. It got stopped at Indola. It got sent back. It was bad. At that stage, I just wanted to stop farming. But the cholera thing didn't last long. I think it lasted about two weeks. And then we're back to normal. So that 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 helped. And then uh, just recently in July, we had uh, a time when, you know, tomato, there was an oversupply of tomato. Everyone had gone into tomato business and we were selling really badly. And then I just, I, I actually started applying for a job. Hey, I wanted to go to the UK. <laughs> nurse. And, and nurse, yes. I wanted to go back and just disappear. You mean July as in last year? Yeah. Like, After like, all this success that she... Yeah, and my mom is just like, you're not going anywhere. Like my pastor Conrad and the people from our church were just like, what, you want to go? No, 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 no. This is your ministry. Like you can't go anywhere. So I really, I wanted to quit. I just had enough of the losses. But uh, we changed course in uh, September. We started doing seed maize and it's done very well for us, I think. And aside focusing on the cattle ranching, that's also helped a lot. Okay. And yeah. so um like like throughout this this journey um mm-hmm. that you've taken um the thing people see is the glamour. I mean you you came driving a nice car. Um you know <laughs> you you talk about this project you're doing, you're building, you're what. And people see that glamour. And yeah. then you come and sit in, tell me that you're going to quit and go and get a job somewhere else. Yeah. Which one do you say is 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 more? Is it the this this the struggle or, or 
or the flowers? Like, where is it? Like, how do you like really describe it for us? Is yeah. it like on a, on an average day? Can the whole day pass and just happy? No. You get sad every day. No, I don't get sad every okay, day. Okay, like you get discouraged, like like you okay, feel like like right now I'm suffering from high blood pressure. I actually have to take meds every single morning because um our company has grown, but the people in our company, and I'm not talking about the management, I'm talking about the general staff, they don't want to grow with us. They have the old mindset. So because they've got the old mindset, you know, it's it's been very tough. Let me just say the last two weeks have been very tough for us. I've had to advertise positions. I've had to threaten people, not threaten in a bad way, but, you know, try and cut some contracts and, you know, waken people up because we've expanded very rapidly. I mean, from ever since we started doing our seed maze in October till now, the farms are just on like steroids on 100%. It's 100%. We work 24 hours a day. Imagine just from working during the day, now we're working 24 hours. There are people who work at night. There's shifts. There are people who work during the day. You know, farm two has the cattle ranching. It's got the groundnut fields. And then now we are clearing about 20 hectares now for more production. So, you know, it's 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 been a struggle in terms of the fact that People don't think at the same speed as me. And that's something that my mom tries to tell me all the time. She say, look, people are not as smart as you. So even when you talk, talk slower, you know, people are not like you. And I've tried to, I've had to understand that and just calm down and say, okay, this one is like this. And just use people's strengths because everyone has strengths and everyone has weaknesses. So just to waken people up a little bit. So I don't get sad every day. There are happy days when I harvest, especially, and we get paid they're happy days. <laughs> I think the thing that makes me happy is money. <laughs> All of us. So, so, you know, when you see the, the, the thousands in the bank and the millions, you, you know, you, 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 you get happy. But, you know, when you think about the, when you start following people around, walking behind someone saying, you haven't put water here, you haven't done this, you haven't done that. And that's something that my manager does. But Sometimes, again, I have to go behind because the minute the manager turns the, his back on, on another field, there are people playing around. So every single group of employees needs, a, needs to have a supervisor. So that's what we've done. So we've put in strategies to make those people grow. Wow. Because I was actually going to ask you, um, these, these issues of, 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 of staff... Yeah. Um, it's one thing to share a vision and see the business where it's going, but these yeah. guys are also either thinking about themselves yeah. or they're thinking the opposite direction. Yeah. How do you align people to make sure that even when you're not there, yeah. like it will still be done? You can go on holiday in mm. Dubai and come back and production is still there. Because yeah. there are some businesses just when you just, your phone is just off. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. I used to have that, but I don't have that anymore. What I do is in the business is that I identify people who I see potential and who want to grow with the business. For example, my manager of Tuzini Farms wants to grow. So I motivate, I've motivated him. I bought him a car uh, that he, I got him a Hilux, you know, just to motivate him. <laughs> not, not the new ones. Why are you saying, but like, they were just said Hilux, like it's nothing. Like just, just bought him a Hilux. Yeah, it's nothing. You know, saying like it's a Vitz or something. <laughs> Anyway, continue. It's nothing. <laughs> yeah, that's how big the farm is, eh? No, 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 no. It's it's just I, I don't look at material things like that. I've got a very different perspective on material things. 
I, I value health and love and 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 time. But you know they more. say people will say money is not important. Have it. People will say like no money, material like health is they have money. People will say that. And and it's really? true. Yeah. People will say no money is not important. Like, you know, the more important things are money, you know, um yeah. love, family, you know, health. They have money. <laughs> people who are poor don't say things like that. Like <laughs> I'm telling you, people who are poor don't say like no, check really? your health, what? No. It's people who have money who say money is not important. Yeah, I just feel like I don't put an attachment to money. If money is supposed to flow to me, it's supposed to come to me effortlessly. Yeah. So even when I bought the manager his car, it was effortless. I just told him that this is, you're not going to work anymore because I'm very happy with your work. And when I looked at the scope of work that he has to do to offload the burden off me so that I can do other things like the systems, some, yeah. one of, some of the systems is transport. He needs to be going around the farms yeah. to ensure that all the product, he's checking on the other managers because he is the top manager. So we've got a system in place. But also we offer commissions to these to the manager. So for example, we tell him that if you produce 60 tons of, for example, potatoes, you do 60 tons of potatoes or more, then you get a 5% commission. So he's on top of his salary. So there are incentives like that that we put in for people who are growing. And then you find those other workers that just work for two months and then they leave. Oh yeah. They move on to the next farm. It's normal. Yeah. So I expect that when I pay people on the 30th, uh, I used to pay people on the 25th and then pay them five days in advance, but I've stopped that because you pay someone on the 25th and then don't come to work and they've disappeared forever. And then they'll come maybe after two, three months. Two, three months? Oh, yeah, yeah. They'll come back. Yeah, they always do. And, and you keep them? No, I just tell them no. <laughs> it depends on their... If I know that they've learned their lesson and that's something that I don't get involved in that, my manager does that. There, there's, there's some people who are really good with their job. Yeah. But don't know how to manage their attitude. Yes. You know? And even you, you, you know you should fire this chap. Yeah. But you know that he's good at what he does. And yeah, you know exactly. the value you bring to the business. How do you... Yeah. And those are the hard type to manage. Because also, it's mm. even worse if the person knows their value. <laughs> and they yeah. know to say, ah, to take some time. Yeah. How do you manage those ones? I've got a few like that in the business. I've got some drunkards. I have some sleepy ones, but they're committed to their job. When I say sleepy ones, I mean like I've got a driver. When he gets caught by the police, he'll just look at them. He'll sit there the whole afternoon. He'll be like, what you guida? And then he sits down and then he won't he won't move until someone else moves. But he's committed. The guy, if you send him at 22 hours, he'll go. So people like that, you just have to keep training and training and training. And then I've just got a system in place. If you don't, so for example, the drunkards, what the drunkards do is that when they get paid, we always pay on a Saturday. They'll drink maybe on Saturday night into Sunday, knowing that they're not working, but some drink even up to Tuesday, right? <laughs> if they get drunk on Saturday, on Sunday, they'll continue drinking on Monday. So we always make an agreement with the workers to say, if you love on Monday or Tuesday, you're going to have five days cut out of your salary because you're inconveniencing the farm. We've paid you on a Saturday. They'll go, they'll get a girl, they'll book a lodge, you know, just, you know, d d stuff like that because they've been paid. And then when their money is finished, they come back. So I give them three strikes and all of them know. We, when we have a meeting, I say three stri strikes and you're out. And they all shout, and you're out. Like, <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> so we just make it funny. And then like if some, three strikes and for sure they're out. So they, and they value their jobs. They do. Apart from tomato, what else do you do? 
Uh, we do groundnuts, we do onion, we do potato, we do cattle ranching, and soon we're going into fish farming. Wow. How many employees do you have at the moment? <sighs> I don't know. I think 101. 101? Yeah, something like that. How many did you start with? I started with 15. With 15? Yeah. That was on Tuesday one? Yes, that was on Tuesday one. Yeah, I've got a whole army on Tuzini Farms too. Some of them, I don't even know them. How much do you think your business is worth, Tuzini, in general? Hmm, I've never counted because we have a few farms. We've we've acquired some more land, so uh, and we've built. We've, there's a lot of infrastructure. Maybe twenty million dollars. No, maybe maybe twenty. No, maybe. Maybe more than $2 million, maybe $4 million. $4 million. I could value it at $4 million. Together with the assets, we have a lot of assets. Okay. And is it yeah. easy managing such a huge business? No, it's not. But I have systems in place. And talking about systems, how, 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 how do you build systems? Because earlier mm-hmm. I think I was telling you that most people believe that systems must be built when the business is big and no. thriving and I've got employees. How do you build systems? Even mm-hmm. when I am just alone in the business, I'm just starting. No, you have to build systems for the business to grow. When I say systems, it's it's very simple. For example, we have an accountant who does our books every weekend. He doesn't come every day, but he'll come over the weekend. The person who does the cash book every day is the is the secretary, is my PA. She will write all the expenses and the revenues and everything. And then we have, so we've got the operational systems and then we have the admin systems. So the admin systems are the, you know, the financial statements, the, you know, the profit and loss statements, all that stuff is done by the accountant. Then you've got the operational systems where on the farm, so you've got your managers, you've got your supervisors, and then you have your irrigators, you've got your sprayers, and each group has a supervisor. So each group is, everyone is in charge there's someone in charge of a certain group of people. That's that's how we do it. And then we, so I, I term that as management. So there's the top management and then there's the second, the second layer. So the top management will be my managers of all the firms and the supervisors. That's what I term the management. And then now you have the supervisors now who supervise like the general workers the, in yeah. the teams. And once you have that in the teams, those ones, my manager deals with them. I don't deal with them. I ensure that I separate myself to give my manager leeway to to the MD, to give him leeway to, yeah, to manage everything. I don't stick my hands. Where I stick my hands is production, application of fertilizers, you know, stuff like that on the ground. Okay. And and also um, along the way, um, mm-hmm. obviously, I know it hasn't been perfect. What are some of the mistakes that you made and what did you learn off of them? Okay, so some of the mistakes I made, uh, firstly, was in the, tom- I'll give you an example of the tomato business. I was doing the same thing, expecting a different result. So, you know, the whole thing of just going to Soweto and prices dropping and, you know, making a loss sometimes, sometimes you win, it's like gambling. So I decided that I would not do that Soweto business anymore and I would be, do contract farming, which we do now. We grow for a certain company, we supply them, and then they pay us off. So I started looking for contracts, and we thank God that we got those contracts. So those are some of the mistakes. Also mistakes like, you know, playing around with the weather. You know that it's going to rain tomorrow, you decide to plant you know, I really respect weather now patterns. I've got weather patterns on my phone. Sometimes they're not always accurate, but I have really just learned how to respect weather because weather can really mess you up in farming. 
you are really afraid of cycling Freddy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and as yeah. an individual, seeing that, you know, farming was not your number one priority, how yeah. would you say being a farmer and this farmer lifestyle, how would mm. you say it has changed you as a person? How has it changed mm. your character? How has it changed how you conduct yourself? So farming has made me extremely disciplined with money, with my personal life. You know, I used to drink. I could have time to go out. I don't drink anymore. I don't go out anymore because I'm just tired. I'm so focused on building an empire. And, you know, if you're building an empire, you need to be able to be disciplined because, you know, to whom much is given, much is required. Yeah. And that requirement is for you to just you know, be disciplined in everything you do. I mean, even my nighttime routine is disciplined, apart from my kids who just, eh, you know, they'll be shouting in my ears. But, you know, I have had to make sure that I have this disciplined life so that I can manage the farming. Also managing money, you know, money comes and money goes. You can have one million today, tomorrow it's gone. So, you know, my mom calls me a Jew. She says that I'm so much of a Jew, like I'm stingy. I said, yeah, I'm Tonga. What do you expect? <laughs> my dad's Tonga. <laughs> so she says, ah, here's the Jew again. You're so stingy. I said, no, mom, I'm not stingy. It's just I value money because I work hard for it. So when you value money, you're not going to go and spend unnecessarily. I would rather go and bl buy blocks or cement or fertilizer, knowing that it's going to, you know, it's, it's going to better me for tomorrow. I'm always looking at tomorrow because by the time I'm 50, 60, my kids need to have all their own houses. That's how I think. So it's, also, it's changed my character in a lot of ways, even just, you know, being patient. And I'm only patient with my crops Unfortunately, it's made me very like I respect time like no man's business. I'm always on the ball. And, you know, it's also made me very spiritual. I understand the spiritual side of farming that I can't do anything without God. And ever since I involved God in my farming, I'm telling you, it's just been glory to glory every single day. I've got two questions off of what you just mentioned. Yeah. Number one, you said you want to build houses for your kids. Yeah. Um, doesn't that kind of like fall into the category of like spoiling them? Why don't you let them experience no. life and then build for themselves? No. <laughs> <laughs> What's your rationale for that? No, I, I really feel like you need to leave a good inheritance for them to even be motivated to work hard, to say, this is what our mom left us. So we need to work harder to leave our kids. This is generational. I'm not only thinking about my kids, I'm thinking about my grandkids. When I look at my mom, my mom has, spoils her grandkids. I mean, I don't buy clothes for my kids because my mom just does it. She she has this wealth. Okay, she's not rich, but she's comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> she's comfortable and her life is about her grandkids. So when I look at my mom, I'm inspired that even I should be able to have this generational wealth for my kids. It's not spoiling. I just need to teach them to work hard and I'm, I teach them. They come What's your the approach farm. with them? Oh, yeah, I'm very strict. I'm very tough, especially on Taonga. She is nine. I mean, not nine, sorry, she's 12 now. <laughs> she's 12 and uh, she's got a business. She sells bottles. She's an entrepreneur, a very aggressive entrepreneur. So she sells uh, bottles. She earns about 500 kwacha a week. So just from what working. kind of bottles? Uh, drinking bottles. She sells them to her friends. She sells them at oh, church. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, she sells them. Sometimes she bakes cupcakes. She'll sell them. She's, at nine? At 12. Oh, okay. You yeah. said Tonga is nine. Yeah, no, no. She's 12. Sorry, I keep <laughs> thinking. It's been, it's, the years have gone too fast. But she started her entrepreneurship journey at nine. 
So she started with selling flowers. Then she couldn't be on the farm because she was going to school. So now over the weekends she comes, she does admin work on the farm. She takes checks to the bank. She knows about, you know, cashing checks. She knows how to fill out the forms. She's she's on it. She's on the ball. So I know that I'm raising a girl who can, you know, be financially independent. I always tell her about being financially independent. Okay. And when it comes to losses, like what yeah. was your biggest loss in the business? Hmm. My biggest lost loss was when I lost about four hectares of tomato um, from a disease called nematodes. It occurs in the soil and it just, the plants just stopped growing. So I think I made, no, actually, I lied. My biggest loss was on Tuzini Farms 3 when my whole five hectare field got flooded last year. Not the year before last year. It got flooded. I didn't know that the farm was a dumbo. We had just bought it. I decided to do five hectares of tomato and the whole thing just went down in water. What everything. was the value of everything? Maybe 600,000. 600,000? Yeah. That's why I tell you that I don't have attachment to money. Imagine if someone lost 600, they'll be crying. And how did you deal with it? Just went like, ah, oh, okay. Anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Yeah. what was your point? Yeah, I was just like, I prayed about it and I said, God, this year teaching me something. And that's why we're turning that farm into a fish farm because it's just a dumbo. When it starts raining, I tried to grow maize this year. I planted five hectares. All of it went in water. Okay. So you can't do the same things expecting a different result. So that farm, we have all agreed that we're turning it into a fish farm. So now, like I said, issues of knowledge, for example, what experience do you have in fish farming? None, but None. I've got people who work for me. Exactly. So that's what I was going to ask you because I think most people um, want to do things where they're strong at. I'm like, I know this, I know this. No. But f like, so the ones that work for you currently have experience from elsewhere? The ones that work for me currently have experience in crops. The ones that currently work for me on the other farm have experience in animals. But I don't have anyone who has experience in fish farming. But what I've done is I've visited a fish farm right? And I've asked all the relevant questions that I need to ask and even asked for a cost of production to see how much profit I'm making out of each pond according to the dimensions. So for me, it's about money. How much money is coming out of this business, which is the most profitable and lucrative business in, in the agriculture space right now. I don't look at tomorrow. I don't look at yesterday. I look at now. So what can I do now? And I'm looking at the months going ahead starting now until October, November, we're having a food, there's a food crisis going on in the world, even around us, actually. In Uganda, Kenya, there's a food crisis going around. So when I look at fish, I don't look at Zambia. I look at export. Yeah. Yeah. So I have a fish consultant who is consulting me, just even just the start, the foundation, the digging of the ponds, the liners, the everything. He is the one that is in charge. So whilst he's consulting me, I'm learning from him and I'm taking notes. And then I read a lot about fish farming. If you want to learn something, you have to read. That's, that's how I look at things. And I read every single day. There is no day that I don't read. I have to make time to read. Reading, prayer, and meditation. Those are the three ingredients to any successful entrepreneur. You mentioned earlier about um, um, God being a part of your operation. Yeah. What was the turning point um, that led you to God 
um, because mm. like you say, it obviously there was, there was a shift at some point. Yeah. What led you to turn to God for guidance in literally mm. everything? Because I think I've, I've seen your, your spiritual side on your Facebook lives. Yeah. Um, I think there's one you did on a Sunday where you just like, you know, like preach, mama, preach. You know, just <laughs> <laughs> what what led you there? Was it was it a failure? Was it a disappointment? Yeah. What led you there? Yeah, it was failure and disappointment. You know, um, I've always been spiritual, but I think what the turning point was was when everything was failing uh, on the farm in July and I decided to visit Spirit Embassy. I know Hubert Angel right now, he's very controversial, but <laughs> he works for me. <laughs> my my father, my spiritual father, Hubert Angel, just he's built me like Pastor Conrad and Pastor Chi. These are our head pastors here. I mean, I've I've never been to a church where people don't target me and ask me for money. Like this is the first church that I went to where they would not accept money from me. And I was like, oh, wow. Well, they don't accept your offering. No, they do accept our offering, but I just give offering like anyone else. Whereas the other churches I would go to, um, I would get targeted. And then you get put in a corner like, oh, you need to contribute to this. You need to contribute to that. Oh, because of the lifestyle that they see you live. Yeah, because of, oh, being the Z farmer or whatever. I love the fact that my church just treats, treats me like anybody else. And then I've got a head pastor who is on the Forbes list. So I look and I say, okay, I also want to be on the Forbes list. So I then believed that, okay, God wants me to be rich. He doesn't want me to be poor. There's no Christian who is supposed to be poor. I don't believe that. I believe that every Christian is supposed to be rich. And how do you get rich? It's through hard work and through opportunities and grabbing opportunities the way they are. So, you know, when I look at my, my, my spiritual father, Hubert Angel, he grabs opportunities. He's, got, he's, he's a businessman. He's not supposed to take from the con- congregation. There but is do, no pastor. Do you pastor. think that stuff they're saying about him is true? No, it's not. But you didn't, see, you didn't see the videos? No, I did see the videos, but there's nothing that he did wrong. He was selling gold on behalf of the Zimbabwean He was promising to smuggle the gold. <laughs> no! Are you like one of those like papa followers who whatever they say about your pastor, yeah, you I'm just don't... Yeah, I'm a staunch follower of Hubert Angel. Like, he's worked for me. The things that have happened in my life since I started going to Spirit Embassy completely changed. So anyway, the spiritual turning point was when the farm started failing and I was like, what am I doing wrong? I didn't have God in the picture. So the minute I put God in the picture, there are certain things. I create an environment. Now I'm so spiritual. I walk. The other day I got accused of being a witch because I I, I prayed and then I left. And then it started raining and it just rained on my farm. Yeah. It never rained on the neighbor's farm. <laughs> it just rained on my farm. That's it. And the next day they were like, because how can it just rain on her farm? That's it. Like there was no rain. It's dry everywhere. It's just my farm that was The last raining. time I had a story like that was, um, I think, you know those, those um, like on the ring road, like in Chalala, right? Yeah. You know those roadside farmers, you know, those roadside yeah, yeah, farmers yeah, yeah, who yeah. during the rains, they plant yes, maize. Yes, yeah. yes, so yes. now someone went in there to steal maize. Yeah. So when they were stealing the maize, it started raining. Only in that area until they, they came <laughs> and they found him. <laughs> that, that was my, you know, question direction, something like that. But I like what you mentioned about Christians being rich. Um, my wife was telling me about, um, there's a pastor she recently discovered and she said, um, he said, the biggest problem with Christians yeah. is that every prayerful person you know is poor. Yeah. 
it's not supposed to be like that. And and, and that, that's the thing. They're very, they're very prayerful, they're spiritual, mm. but you look at so and, 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 and he was encouraging people to associate with churches where the pastor is doing well, the mm. whatnot is doing well. Mm. Not a church where because there's some churches where you like 15 minutes will preach about tithe and offering and make you feel guilty and you, you end yeah. up giving even money that you didn't have. So I think there I, I I could relate with you a little bit. You mentioned in one of your live sessions um, on Facebook that businesses and individuals should grow, yeah. but that they should grow to a level they're able to contain the growth. Because again, if growth is too fast, you yeah. fail to manage it and that you know, then leads to failure. Talk exactly. to me about what you meant behind that. Okay, so I'll give you an example of myself in the seedling business. I grew too quick and I ended up in a lot of debt with chemical companies because I was just producing seedlings and producing. And then we got to a point where because we grew too big too fast, the workers were not ready for the growth. That's number one. And then two, we did not anticipate what was coming. Okay, so when I say what was coming, I mean um, the, the the trends of tomato. So you get you get a point where you sell a lot of seedlings and then you don't you don't sell according to the weather. If it's cold, people don't want to plant. They're scared of the cold if it's raining. So you know, you, you you need to contain your growth. And this is where you look at your systems. What is working for you? And are your people ready to, to have that growth? Are you ready to have that? Because you see, with growth comes expense. That's why they say the more money you have, the more problems you get. Yeah, responsibilities. Exactly, right. It comes expense. And we had like three greenhouses. We had 400,000 seedlings. And then, boom, no more customers. They just disappeared. So now I couldn't pay my bills, you know, people were, so now I had to start taking money out of the farms to pay the bills, to pay the seedling bills. And then we ended up throwing away seedlings because we grew too fast. So what I did now was I broke one greenhouse and made a space to plant actual crops. And then in another greenhouse, we planted actual crops under greenhouse. So right now we only have one greenhouse, but the seedling business has become saturated. So I look and I say, okay, it's saturated. Should I keep growing seedlings? No, we have to change course. So in farming, you always have to change. You can't do the same thing. You have to grow. Okay. You mentioned um, earlier that being a farmer has made you more disciplined. You're more hardworking. Yeah. Um, you hardly have time for other things. And there's one time that um, I think you're having a conversation and you're saying, um, this conversation is for the women. Um, men, you should leave the conversation, but I stayed on. So that's how I know this. <laughs> It's <laughs> good. Yeah, I stayed on. I know this. Um, yeah. But but you talked about um, self worth, yeah. like appreciating your self worth, yeah. um, which many people don't really have, and that's mm -hmm. why they they tie themselves to other people, and you know their success is based on the success of others. What difference can someone who has that sense of self worthiness have that is noticeable from someone who doesn't? Wow, that's a big question, <laughs> Suilanji, <laughs> because I, I, I look at women in Zambia. It's a sad situation. And when I look at even the women on the farm, all of them want to be married. All of them want to have a man providing for them. And our culture has, has, has really just, you know, hasn't helped us with the self-worth. I mean, you're enough being on your own. I really thrived when I was on my own. I'm not on my own anymore, but, you know, when you, when you have self-worth, there's no one who can bring you down. 
when you have self-worth, you can thrive because, you know, there are some men who, who want you to stay down. And I've seen this even with my parents' friends where the mother was a housewife and the father had this big position in government or in a bank and then the father dies and the kids start suffering because the woman wasn't allowed to work. And this thing still happens even now. So, you know, self-worth, and every time I talk about self-worth, people say, ah, that's why you don't have respect. Or, you know, the men get very offended. But being, self, being self-worthy and being disrespectful, they're two diff- different things. You can just say no. Like even now I still get offers from men. It's just no, because I, I value myself. And I promise myself that, no, I will live this disciplined life until I find the man who wants to marry me. Even after two divorces, I still had hope you know, that I would get somebody who understands me and who is mature and who understands the business that I do and the limelight that I'm in. And fortunately, I found that person. But if I didn't have self-worth, I'd probably be dead because I've come from a marriage which was abusive where someone told me, all you have is your big head. You come from a rich family. You've got nothing. You know, everything belongs to your mother. So what? Like, it's a family business. That's how, how do you think these Indians work? It's a family business. Like Safik, their parents started it, their sons work there, and they, they, they've continued on the business. So it's the same thing. My mom doesn't get involved in Tuzini Farms. All she does is, you know, she's a co-signer on the checks, and uh, she will, you know, she'll do stuff. But coming back to self-worth, if as a woman you have self-worth, then it automatically commands you to get the best. You get the best when you when you value yourself. When you don't value yourself, you end up with rubbish. That's 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 the hard truth. You end up with rubbish, and when you have rubbish in your life, there is no going to the Forbes list. I can tell you that there is no having a good life. You just have that same mediocrity over and over again because you don't value yourself. You mentioned um, even here that you thrive when you are alone. Yeah. Um, would you say that you? You know, um, like you said, you referred to your two divorces. Were yeah. those because you felt you were better off on your own? Yeah, I, 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 I decided on, especially on the on the first divorce. I think I was young. I was too young when I got married, and then we grew, we outgrew each other, and um, we're not really willing to work on things, and yeah, and 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 it ended because we're both childish. I also take responsibility. The second one, I feel like I rushed and was under a lot of pressure from family members to get married uh, because I dated him and then I got pregnant and people were so worried about what, what people were going to say on social media. And then I ended up, you know, you know, we ended up being in this abusive marriage where, you know, I was always made to feel like I'm... I'm not doing anything or your mother, your money is your mother's and, you know, it's called all sorts of names. You're a prostitute, you're this, you're that. And I decided, I said, no, I cannot have somebody constantly insult me even when I'm just working hard. So I decided to go. And you know what I did? I just told him, I said, I'm leaving. And he thought I was joking. I packed my stuff and I left and I never looked back. And trust me, after I left him, the peace that I had, the, 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 just the tranquility, all I was after was peace because peace is priceless. You cannot thrive in a toxic environment. If you go to a house every day and someone is insulting you, you can't do well at work because instead of you being focused on your work, you're focused on what you're being told. Remember, the mind accumulates and keeps a lot of stuff. 
So I wasn't thriving at that point. When I look back two, three years, when I look back at when I was married and now, completely, like the farm has completely changed because I'm not in a toxic environment anymore. For, for Elia, you, you referred to, to the culture and how it's, you know, um, you know, designed and whatnot. Yeah. For any other average woman, they would think, look, I already had one divorce. Yeah. Let me just ship a kisha. You know, what would they say? Let me just stay on. And that is happening in a lot of homes where people yeah. are staying, holding on because either they just don't like the tag of divorce to judge them or two, like was in your case, I've been divorced before. People think yeah. I am the problem. Did yeah. you ever have those thoughts? Oh, yeah, 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 I did. And I tried. You know what? I tried to shipikisha. I won't even lie to you. I tried. I tried to act happy. But they just, they, they, there's a point when you have to make yourself happy. You have to close your ears. Like when I left my husband, my mom wasn't even, my mom even stopped talking to me. She was like, ah, you, you don't know what you want. What are people going to say? Blah, blah, blah. And I just told her, I said, it's either my life or people will laugh. Which one is it? And my sister just stood by me and said, no, this can't go on. And people laughed. Yeah, they did. But hey, I'm here. And uh, like, I'm getting married for a third time. People say fifth. No, it's third. <laughs> and you know what? I really don't care. <laughs> and, 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 and this 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 third one, how are you going into this one? Wow, it's been a lot of preparation. So what I did, and I, I advise every single woman or man who has gone through a divorce to do this, you need to go for counseling to heal and you need to give yourself time to heal. It's very traumatic to go through a divorce, especially for men. Us women heal a lot quicker than men. But I went for counseling and, you know, I, I, I started getting depressed because I was just like, Okay, second divorce. Is anyone going to look at me like what? And I met some frogs on the way. I won't even lie to you. There were many after me, just some for money, some for connections, some for other things. But when I met my husband and it it happened very fast, we're just, we were friends. I started it off as a friendship. So we were friends for a while and we go to the same church. And um, after being friends, uh, he would do a lot of stuff for me, like install an aircon or do this or do that. But what I decided to do was heal, go for counseling, pray, prepare myself. You have to prepare yourself for that person. And God will only give you that person when you're prepared to receive them. You get what I mean? So yeah. if you're not prepared, if you're going out to clubs and bars and you expect to meet your husband there, then... I don't know, but I don't go to clubs because of my spirituality, but you need to be prepared in a certain way, a level of discipline, a level of spirituality, a level of maturity. You need to be able to be mature for you to meet that person and make it work. So we're, we're friends. We're friends more than anything. And then he proposed to me very quickly on the 31st of December and on the 12th of January, I was engaged very quick. He was very, he just said, I'm not here for games. I'm here to marry I'm, I don't want to to date this dating thing. <laughs> so <laughs> you started dating in December. Yeah. So we started officially dating in December, and twelfth of January he proposed, and we're getting married next month. He's just a man who knows December, what he wants. December, January, February. But we've March, been friends April. for a long time. The wedding is in May. Yes, the wedding is in May. Uh, it's in three weeks' time, exactly. That was fast. He's quick. He says that he doesn't. <laughs> but anyway, he's a lot older than me. He knows what he wants. He's, yeah. he's 10 years older than me. And, and what does he make of your past marriages? 
whew, I just say, wow, I, first of all, I've, I've never argued with him. Never? Six months? You, you've been dating five months? You haven't argued? No. Why? I feel like there's a problem somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> we, just, we just talk. Like, I tell him, I don't like this. And then he'll tell me, I don't like this. Okay, you need to, or he'll say, sweetheart, you need to change, do this, that, that. Okay, okay. So I'm thinking to myself, okay, five months, we've never actually had a fight. Like, from my past marriages, we'd fight every week. Like, what is this? This is too good to be true. But God is at the center. We pray together so much. We always involve God. He's a pastor. Oh, he's a pastor. Yeah. I was about to say he looks humble because I saw him at the Tualumba event yeah, at that time. Yeah, he's so humble. Very humble. Quiet. Yeah, he was wearing one of those um, those presidential suits. Yeah, you know, those safari suits. suits. Yeah, those safari suits. Yeah, he's and, you know, a, yeah. yeah, he loves his safari suits. Yeah, he's suits. tall. For me, that's the first thing I noticed. Like, yeah, like, he's, he's tall, very tall. You know? Yeah. Because yeah, <laughs> I feel like it's, it's it's good also to find someone yeah. that, you know, is not going to use your past against you, you know. Yeah. Or, yeah it's and then I needed someone on my level. When I say my level, I mean like... I don't need someone who has zero zero in the bank. You understand, huh? Oh yeah. I you needed someone who was like a, a, a bit of assets. Can you remember? Just go one house is okay. Because <laughs> you can't, you can't. It's like it's like you're you're there. I mean, it's like a lawyer dating a garden boy. I hope you understand what I mean. You need there are levels in life. So yeah. I feel I felt like I needed someone who is stable, who is he's he's got his own business running, he's got his own things going. You know, he's not going to come and ask me for money for fuel. He's, you know, he's not going to... Was that the case in your previous marriages? Yeah, sometimes. In, not in my previous marriage, but there's a relationship that I was in where the guy would ask me for fuel money. And I'm just like, dude, you're a man. You can't be asking me. The man is the one who's supposed to provide for a woman. That is what the Bible says. And yeah, this is what Exactly. And this is what he does. When I go do my hair, I don't pay. When I go do my nails, I don't pay. If I want something, I'll tell him, oh, I need this. Even fertilizer, he'll buy. He'll buy stuff like that. If I'm stuck, he'll just say, okay, how much is it? All right, here you go. Here's 2000 or here's three. That's what I expect a man to do. I think this is a part where people on that Zambian wedding channel said, no, where can I find a man like that? <laughs> <laughs> you can find, just pray. But I think it's, yeah, it's, it's for me, I feel like it's a prayer issue. And also people meet you at your level of preparedness. I think that's what I've come yeah, to learn. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, just, just doesn't happen, you know. No, yeah, I think some things are just, you know, divinely. But I wish you guys were the best. Thank you. Um, yeah. But uh, you're coming to the wedding, right? You just invite me. I'm not, oh, no, no problem. Yeah, I'm <laughs> not, no problem. <laughs> We'll come around. So for, 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 for women in general, what would you say is the difference between success and failure for a woman? Hmm. For a woman, uh, the difference is that I, I, for success, there are, two, there are two major things that I, I define success as happiness and empire building. Money and happiness. These two things. If you have these two things, you're successful. Money, money commands respect. I saw it today. I went in a shop with my mom and she's standing with a police officer. Like the whole shop stopped. They even closed the shop for her. You understand what I mean? Yeah, because she's the ECZ Shanishan. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, why can't you do that for me? <laughs> you know? So what I mean is that for, 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 for success with a woman, it's hard work. If you're prepared to work hard and you're prepared... Because you see, to be successful, there are certain laws that you need to obey as a woman. Like which ones? Like, for example, you, you can't be a prostitute and be expect to be successful. It can't. That, sucks. that money will last, but it won't last for long. If you want to be successful where you're building generational wealth, there are certain laws that you need to obey. So the law of giving, 
the law of, 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 of purpose. Have you read The Seven Spiritual Laws of Success by Deepak Chopra? No. Okay. Maybe I should. So you should. It's a really good book and it really changed my mindset. And the law of just not being attached to things. Not being attached to that's why I said yeah, it's just money to come. If you have that mindset, money will always flow to you. So there are certain laws that you need to obey as a woman. You need to understand the culture that you're in. We're in a Zambian culture. You can't walk around in a miniskirt. You can't flaunt your boobs on Facebook and expect to be successful. People will lose respect. That is our culture. You're not in Hollywood. You know? So as a woman, you need to understand your place. You need to know that you're the weaker part. So as a woman, if you're not married, then you are at a disadvantage. That's how I feel. That is my opinion. I know some people will disagree with me, but that is our culture, unfortunately. If you're not called Mrs. So-and-so, then it's like, ah, ooh, you. some people just, ah, ooh, you. because of the culture and the mindset. So you need to understand the culture. I'm not saying go and get married, but it would be, it's good for a woman who is successful to be in a stable relationship or be with someone who is stable. You don't have to be married, but... To be with someone who's stable. The, fem- the, the feminists would disagree, but... but yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. But, um, you know, the, the, again, another law, you know, as a woman is that you need to understand how, how men, like in farming, how men of the lower class operate. So I understand how my manager operates. He likes to be in charge. So I make him feel like he's in charge, but he's not really in charge. It's me who's in charge. Yeah. So... You just need to understand the laws of success and obey those laws. And once you do that, then, you know, the world is your oyster. Then failure. What I, what I deem as failure for a woman is when you can't control your finances, you're always in debt, you're having kids. I've seen people, six, seven children. Have you noticed that the people who have a lot of kids are poor? No, it's true. He said yes. <laughs> yeah. People who have, you won't find a rich person with 10 children. I'm telling you, in Zambia, the people who have a lot of kids are the people in the compounds, in the villages where they are 14, 15. You, the people who have money just have maybe four or five kids at the most. Even five, I think it's too much. Yes. So, you know, for me, I'm just thinking, okay, I'm getting married. My husband has three kids. I have two kids. That's enough. We have five. That's enough. <laughs> we don't need any more. <laughs> yeah. You, you, you get what I mean? So when I, when, I, when I look at it, I look at as a woman, failure is so many things. Even just not controlling yourself as a woman. Today you're with this one, you're with John. Tomorrow you're with this one, you're with that one, you're with this one. Every relationship that I've gotten into, I've always wanted to settle down with a person. But somewhere along the way you find, ah, uh, this person is not what I want. Okay, I'm very quick at just jumping ship. I'm like, all right, you know what? Because I know what I want. So as a woman, you need to know what you want and work for it. Don't be a failure. <laughs> Earlier, I was telling you about part-time farmers, people who mm. you know have a full-time job. Um, I work Monday to Friday. Over the weekend, I go to Chisamba at the farm, come back on Sunday. Do you feel that that... <laughs> you, you already look like you're saying no. <laughs> have, you, have you seen people do that? Yeah, I have. Many. And many fail because of that. I actually want to provide a solution for that. I've seen a huge opportunity with that. You know, I see an opportunity everywhere. So that's a huge opportunity for someone to control those people because you could make serious money out of that. Anyway, the Z farmer would do it. I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> but it can't work. 
especially if you're growing crops. If you're doing livestock, like, uh, and it depends on livestock, like if you're doing li- uh, cattle or goats, it can work. But if you're doing pigs, fish, chickens, no, you have to be there every single day. You have to be. What about that Indian man that sits in his shop every single day, Monday to Sunday? He's not stupid. He goes there because you have to be on your business. Why? Because of our Zambian ethic. Ah, my boss is really cool. The minute I drive off the farm, people's culture just changes altogether. You, you get what I mean? Yeah. So it's the work ethic. It's a lot of things. You have to be there to see, to watch. So if you're a full-time employee and you want to do remote farming, I think livestock would be better. Or rain-fed crops like maize, stuff that doesn't really need. But again, there's theft when you're a part-time farmer. If you're not there every day, they steal from you. That's just how it goes. If I'm there every day and they're stealing whilst I'm eating lunch, what about that person in the office? They steal when I'm eating lunch. What do they steal? Let me let me tell you a funny story. Sorry, guys. I know we're digressing a bit, but you need to hear this story. One of my farmer friends was growing potatoes, and um, these people came to work during the day. They got peace workers, put them in a truck, and then took them to the farm. They worked, and they were harvesting potatoes. They came back with knives and guns at night and made the farmers and and made the guards harvest. And filled a van and drove off. And I was arguing with my manager the other day why he does not want to grade the roads in the farm. And he said, no, madam, has any bela? Because you can't, you know, when the road is bumpy, yeah. you can't speed. Oh, yeah. Yeah, whereas when the road is smooth, the people can just go oh, and... Oh, I get your point. Mm-hmm. So he refused to grade the road. Like the grader was there. So we, that was wise. Yeah, he's really wise. He's really wise. So what I'm saying is that the part-time farmers just need to ensure that they have people who are trustworthy, who are not going to steal from them. Maybe a relative or someone who they trust. And it's hard to find people who, because everybody steals. That's my that that, that that's my take. When we make a cost of production for a crop, we always put shin for stealing, all the time. We put a percentage for stealing. <laughs> like they can be you stealing. You plan for stealing. Today they were stealing tomato. I was just looking at them. I'm just like, you know, I just leave them. It's fine. What, what advice would you give someone who's planning to start um, the farming business? Where where do you start from? First is the land and the water. That is the most important thing in farming. Is your land viable for... And it depends what type of farming. If it's uh, livestock farming, you need to go and visit a livestock farmer. If it's crop farming, you need to ensure that you test the soils and ensure that there's water. That's the first thing I do when I get on land. So how many hectares? Then your market research. What is it that you're going to grow that is going to sell like hotcake? You know, right now maize is a hotcake. I grew seven hectares of maize. All of it is gone. So it's like I anticipated that there will be a minimal shortage. (laughs) Yeah, but... You know, it's it's just, I think the most important thing is studying the market trends. Like, you need to know what's what's coming. And the way to do it is to go to Soweto Market. Those are the people who tell you what's coming. Okay. Uh, the, the other thing I want to find out is, I know you mentioned a bit, uh, maybe like a small percentage of it earlier, is the higher ups, like someone like you who is a CEO of the farm, mm. and then you have to interact, like you said, you have to go to the Soweto woman who is like yeah. very low there. The interpersonal skills, thing, because also some people, you know, repel people who've got money because you come there with attitude, you know, how do you manage interactions with the lowest of people that you can ever interact with? So first of all, I really dumb down my dressing. 
when I say dumb down, I'll wear chitenge, I'll wear my bikiron, like I'll even put on a chitambala. And then I'll tell the driver to go and park far away and I'll just go there walking. Like you need to understand how they think and go down to their level. So there are certain things that I do, like for the marketeers, maybe we'll drop them somewhere. There are certain incentives that we put on the tomato field so that, you know, they can come and buy. Because to be honest, I don't like going to Soweto market. So there are certain things that we do. But to relate to those people, you need to ensure you speak the language. Like I can speak Lenje, a bit of Lenje. I speak Tonga. I speak Lozdi. I speak Nyanja, Bemba. So you need to be able to go down to their level, speak their language, eat with them. There's nothing like, oh, me, I'm a CEO. What? Sometimes I'll take off my jewelry, just put on a chitambala and a chitenge, jump in a bus if you can. Like, you have to be humble. In fact, you have to be humble everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, you have to be humble everywhere. And then also uh, my interest is on, on education. Mm-hmm. Um, like we established, like you did your nursing You've got no education in agriculture, you've got no education in farming, you've got no degree in livestock, no. whatever, nothing. Um, but you're still thriving on the business. There are people who just go get a degree in whatever field. Mm. How do you make your qualification work in business, regardless of the business? As long as, because they said like, like a degree is like, I don't know, it just opens your mind. How do you yeah. use your education, regardless of the field, to apply mm. it in the business? Wow. Okay. So um, because I have a degree and because I understand, I, I did a diploma in business. So I think that opened my mind a little bit to the business side of things. But, you know, being educated, um, especially tertiary education is so important. Why do I say that? You start understanding things on a different level. You understand uh, the way an organization runs, for example, we did, you know, we studied about organizations, organizational skills, management. You know, you do, a, like I did some management accounting in the diploma of business. So <clears throat> we use even the nursing side, hey? The nursing side, I did psychology. So I understand the way human brain thinks. I understand the way my workers think because of that degree that I did. I have seen farmers who are not educated and they make lots of money but are still on the same level. They don't grow in their businesses. A lot of Zimbabwean farmers, the guy doesn't know how to write, but he makes money every single day. The biggest thing they'll buy is a car and maybe have some houses in Kanyama on rent. And yeah, Afika, you know what I mean? Because they're not educated. So I look at someone like that and say, okay, if they had a degree, they'll probably be on the stock exchange because of the years. You look at someone, he's been farming for 20 years. There's a farmer I knew who started in 2001. He's still farming, but he's still on the same farm. Hasn't, hasn't bought any other farms. He buys beautiful cars. He's got nice cars. He's got a 10-bedroom house. He's got houses in Kanyama. He's got 20 kids. You know, they all, those houses in Kanyama feed the kids. And then that's it. They don't want to diversify because of the level of education. So education is so important. So for all those UNSA students who just say, hey, me, I want to leave my degree. Don't. Ha, you'll make a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> Go to school. And, and, and earlier we talked about generational wealth. How do we begin yeah. to create that culture? Um, mm. Because I think like right now, um, you see some parents, you only want your kids to focus on school. You think about business, whatever, after you're done with school. Do you feel yeah. that's, that's the right approach? How do we begin to create a mindset in our people 
to begin to think of businesses beyond just them. Mm. You know, you know, the generational wealth starts off just by how you, how you get, how you um, divide your profits. And what, what, what do I mean by that? Like, for example, on every field, I always ensure that a profit goes to an asset and that asset shall bring other assets. That's how I think. And when you think like that, then you start building generational wealth, not for your, only for your kids, but for your grandkids. You can't just build for yourself. The Bible says, leave a good inheritance for your children. Yeah. So when I look at um, my parents, for example, my parents left a farm. My dad left a farm. My mom left a farm. And then we went from one farm to two farms to three farms. And when I look at them, I want to be able to have six farms or, you know, 10 houses or, you know, 20 real estate because I really love real estate. So 20 houses in real estate, that, that, that's, that, that's how I think. And I don't want my kids to start from zero. I want them to have a base to start on, to build on that. But how do you do that? You have to start now. The minute you start a business, get some profit put it away, invest it in an asset. That asset should make more money for you. So I think about, like me and my husband have cooking oil houses. We have two cooking oil houses, which, which sell cooking oil every single day. And that money comes in every day. And then we put it towards an asset. When I count our assets together, we have quite a number. I'm not going to say how many we have. Then <laughs> people start writing about us, but... You know, these are his cooking oil houses. And then I just came as a woman to add on to it. And then we invest it. We get the money. We put it somewhere else. And then it starts growing. And then it starts growing. Just, just like that. And then by the, when I look at Galoon Farms, Galoon Farms is now it's gone on to the grandkids. So it's not his son. His son died. Now it's the grandchildren. And the grandchildren don't even live here. They live in, they live in Israel. So whoever's managing the farms are just managers on the farms. They're not the owners of the farm. But Galoon worked so hard, the grandpa, the, the one who started Diamonddale, he worked so hard that those grandkids have assets. They're selling Roan Park. All those Minwood, what? Those are all Galoon farms. So you can imagine how much money they've made just from selling all those plots. And Diamonddale, I think, is also going on sale soon. Who, 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 who do you look up to? Who inspires you? Hey, wow, that's a hard question. My mom inspires me a lot. <laughs> you bet Angel inspires me. <laughs> <laughs> because <laughs> when I look at him, I'm like, this guy has, he's on Forbes list. He inspires me because of his giving heart. He gave someone $5,000 at the last Exodus night. And I was like, Wow. He just took $5,000 out of his pocket and gave someone. But the person that inspires, the, inspires me the most is my mom. When I look at her and her life, she has done pretty well for herself. She has. We should bring her on the podcast. You should. <laughs> she would be delighted. No, should. So you should. For you, what is your, you know, um, since you said degrees and whatnot, uh, you know that, that's, yeah. that thing you learn in school, you did business, um, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, yes. you know, at the end, the self-actualization. Yes. For you, what really has to happen? Like, what is your level of success that will make you feel like, you know what, I've arrived? 
what 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 really will make you say you know what now i can rest I, i'm done when i have money when I, when i have assets that make money for me whilst i'm sleeping enough money to last me even 5 years you understand what i mean yeah. i don't think i'll ever because of the way i am i'm i'm a go getter I'm, i'm always up like i always Moving want targets. the next thing and i get bored very quickly so i want to buy a plane that i can fly myself okay, and i want plane. to learn Those how to fly Famsi or like real plane yeah i want to get a jet uh, or like a private jet like a private jet yes i want to buy a private jet and i'll buy it because you bet enjoy as a private jet <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> no, I just I just look at myself and I say I think that's when I'll feel like okay, I've arrived. If I have money that's making itself for for yeah. for me and money that can pay for fuel for a private jet because fuel is expensive. Parking fees at KK Airport are expensive. Yeah, I'm actually told that uh, it's actually more expensive for you to be on the ground than yeah. in the air. Yes, it's very expensive. I've got friends who who have planes. When I look at them, I'm like, wow, this they're is... Zambians. Yeah, they're Zambians. They're white Zambians. Ah, okay. Yeah. You have to say that. <laughs> I know why you're at, at, at that. Earlier, I was telling you about that thing I was saying where some people, the problem is that they're standing in their own way. Yes. You know, um, there's nothing about, no, there's that thing they like saying at your ancestors, something about, mm. you know how they, they blame others and say, um, your your village people, what and what. No, they wished you. At, uh, at, this, at the spiritual, what, spiritual attack, you know, those kinds yeah, of things. Yeah, kanongo, and, they put you in a kanongo. I've heard those stories yeah, so many but, times. But to be honest, for me, and that's my opinion, some people are just standing in their own way. Yeah, they, they are. Some people are lying to themselves, especially men. Sorry, I really feel like why, women, why, why, why are, you women, women, they're, women they're are doing to well. Themselves. Like there's some people who just do the same thing every day and expect a different result like I was saying. I mean, there are people who um are, are, are mediocre. How can I put it to you? For example, this there's someone who owns a business, right? Yeah. Like today I went to town center to buy. I was just looking for something. I went there at eight. There were no people there. There were very few. I'm just like, you see? There's money that comes for you. God brings you, but is it it's your level of um consistency and diligence. The Bible says a diligent hand maketh rich. What does diligence really mean? Be on time. There are women who own boutiques. They could have been far far far, but they come to work late. They play around. They go, they're doing their nails. A customer walks into the shop. They haven't even trained their people on customer service. They haven't trained their people on sales. How are you going to grow? So what I'm saying is that people are just some people are just standing in their own way. It's true. You are in Chicago's every Friday, Saturday night. You expect your business to grow instead of you reading about your business and how it can grow. Time is not with us, huh? There's not enough hours in the day. By the time I go to bed, I'm just like, wow, so many things have happened during the day. You need to be this person who realizes yourself, realizes your purpose, works on yourself and then works hard out there and delivers the very best. The problem with us Zambians, sorry to say, is that we are people who are mediocre. We don't stick to time, we don't do perfect jobs. Like for example, I asked somebody to paint my house the other day. He did a horrible job and he sees nothing wrong with it. We, we're not excellent. Do you know why the Chinese are, are, are excellent at what they do? There are Chinese people who were working on my house the other day. I could not believe. You say this, they do it immediately. You tell them this, 
they do it. I was telling them about the toilets and the handles for the bathrooms. Immediately they were there. They're there at seven o'clock, six o'clock. You will never find a Zambian opening their shop on a Saturday at seven o'clock in the morning, ready for customers. No. I've never seen a 24-hour shop. Go and walk in, in town at 2 a.m. in the morning. You, will you find one shop open? Not even one. Go to Asia. Go to Thailand. People don't sleep. You can go and buy clothes in Louis Vuitton at 2 a.m. in the morning. That is the type, that is the, that's why I always say that our people are wrong. We are suffering because of ourselves. It's got nothing to do with anyone. It's got nothing to do with the government. If you're diligent, you work hard, you apply yourself, you're not mediocre. Trust me when I tell you that God will open doors for you. I go to my farm every single day. My mom says I'm a workaholic. I said, yes, because why? I need to be on the business. I need to know what's going on. You can't be farming on the phone. Hello, Martina Manzi. It doesn't work like that. I found people in the gym, nine o'clock in the morning, a business owner. Eight o'clock, hello? Someone is still sleeping. Are you serious? Eight o'clock in the morning, you are still sleeping and you're a business owner. Then you don't want to grow. You don't want to grow. So those people who don't want to grow, let them stay poor. I also want to grow. We are going to work hard and get rich. That's what I told them. I said, you, want, you don't want to grow? That's up to you. You are standing in your own way. And I'm very passionate about this, especially with women. Women. Nine o'clock, the chick is still sleeping. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, I kept thinking about my question, but I kept listening to you, so it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but, but you know, honestly, I, I understand you. And to be honest, people don't want to be confronted about those kinds of things. Oh, they hate me when I write about And I don't care. They must know the truth that they are lazy. Zambians are lazy people. I always tell the president, we've got such a good present for the wrong people. We are wrong. Have you seen how Nigerians work? Well, Kenyans. the Nigerian here, is it two weeks ago? Like, I, yeah, she just told us that he talked about Nigeria, how those guys work. They said, if, 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 if you're going to thrive as a farmer, you must be the best farmer the world has ever seen. Yes, exactly. And that's how I feel. Me, I must be the best at what I do. And that's why it's just consistency, consistency, consistency all the time. I must be the best at what I do. I must be the king of the game, not even the queen, the king of the game. So that it's, it's not about, I can't relax. There is no time for relaxing. Me, I'll relax when I'm dead. There's Galamkani, he's relaxing. He's dead. Me, when I would sleep, I always tell my mom, goes, do you sleep? I'm like, no. I sleep, yeah, but my mind is so active that my mind just wakes up at 4.30 in the morning. I don't have to set an alarm. It just, it just wakes up. Do you ever so you you, you, you never have fun you know they know i'm in dubai i'm, I'm no, no i do i do i travel i do i do and when i have fun i have lots of fun <laughs> <laughs> when i play i play but hard. you manage to create time for people that matter in your life yes yes i create time for my mom we have sunday lunches together i just took we just had lunch today i always make sure that i create time for my family for my kids so when i'm at home i'm just a typical mom i okay. jump on the bed we do those roly-poly games. What? I do all that. Do people reach out to you and say, no, you be my mentor? Yeah, they do. They do. Um, but I haven't mentored people in a while because I've been overwhelmed myself with the expansion of the farms. I will start mentoring probably in June. Probably in June. Yeah. Okay. What would, what would be the five things you'd like to say to, to young people as advice? Okay. So the five things, number one, is your mindset is everything. How you envision yourself is what you are going to be. So I believe that whatever it is that you speak 
comes to pass. For example, I always wanted to drive a Hilux Legend 50. And I would sit sometimes in my fields and I close my eyes and I'm driving. I even drive from my house to the farm. I'm pressing the buttons. I even went to Toyota, sat in a Hilux Legend. And guess what? Six months later, I bought a Hilux Legend. It's there. It's parked parked outside. (laughs) So whatever it is that you envision and confess with your mouth is what comes to pass. So there are certain affirmations that I say every single morning. Wealth is my portion. Success and prosperity are mine. Money is coming and it is coming to stay. And when I declare those things, for sure, it happens. Okay. Number two, you need to be able to sacrifice. Sacrifice is the most important thing in entrepreneurship. If you can't sacrifice even your last 10 kwacha to buy fertilizer, then you can't be a successful entrepreneur. There are times where you're going to reap and there are times when you're going to have to sacrifice. There are times when I only have 100 kwacha in, in the bank because I've bought a tractor. Like the last time I bought a tractor. Oh, I bought, you know, sprayers or chemicals or I've paid salaries. Sometimes when I pay salaries... The salary bill will cost maybe 50000 and then you don't have money and you're waiting for your next harvest. There are times like that. When I go through times like that, you have to be willing to sacrifice. The third thing I want to tell young people is that from my mistakes, the ones that I have made in the past, I want you to learn from me. You need to live a life of discipline, of self-worth, and just of, you know, of prayer and Total commitment to God, because when you have these three things, you you can't fail. If I rewinded the time, I would have taken my time to get married. I wouldn't have rushed. That's number one. And two, I would have done things a little bit different. The first time I started making money, I was a bit stupid. I used to travel a lot, go to America, do this, do that. And I hadn't built a house. You see? So I was splurging money instead of building. So... You need to keep focused on what the end goal is. Consistency. Be consistent at what you do. If you're going to be in farming, be in farming. If you're going to do this, do that. And grow on it. Make sure you grow. But you as an individual need to grow. You can't be childish. You can't be at the same level personally, like yourself in your mind and and how you do things and then expect your business to grow. It doesn't work like that. If you're changing goals, I know some business people who just change goals. Every two, one day he's with this one, the next day is, yeah, trust me, it's going to affect your business. So whatever it is that you do in your personal life, because your business is your baby. So you can't, you know, you can't do that. Then the fourth, am I on fourth, five, fifth? No, you're on fourth. Okay. So the fourth thing is that um, learn to rest. And this is something that I've had to learn. I think maybe I even have high blood pressure because I don't rest. Learn to just have quiet time. And that's why I meditate in the morning. And sometimes I take quiet time at lunchtime. Just learn to have a quiet time, a moment with yourself where you close your eyes and you're just meditating and just focusing on what God has to say. Because God will only give you instructions when you're quiet and you listen out to what he says. And then the fifth thing is that um, be financially disciplined. When you make your money, put it in the bank. Put it in the bank. You need financial statements. Any business, no matter how small it is, needs a financial statement. How do you get a financial statement? Start creating a rapport with the bank. Bank the money. No matter what it is, bank the money and then withdraw. Set your expenses. Stick to the budget. Don't go over the budget. Don't be impulsive. I used to be an impulse buyer. I used to buy hair. This. 
I don't do that anymore. I just buy what I need, live a life of simplicity. Be simple. Be simple. Me, I can afford any Brazilian wig, but I've got braids in my hair for 200 kwacha. Why? Because I'm simple. You find that most rich people are very simple. Have you ever seen a rich person caked up with makeup and they've got bangles everywhere? Nah. No, because those billionaires I see, when they Elon Musk, they wear, they wear T-shirts, you know? Yeah, they, yeah, we're very simple. <laughs> we? <laughs> we? I like that. <laughs> Claim I like it. that. No, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, Claim it will it. come. Claim it will it. come. Yeah. I like what you said about, um, um, sorry, to, to add another question. What you said about the bank part and the financial discipline. Yeah. Most entrepreneurs, especially the small ones that my sole trader were not accountable to anyone in the business, struggle to separate the business's money from, from their personal money. Yeah. I go, I go and deliver something on the way back. Ah, I pass, I go and buy ice cream. No, 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 no. You need to get a salary. I'm on a salary. Oh, you pay yourself a salary? Yeah, I'm on a salary. I pay myself a salary every month. How did you decide how much to pay yourself? I had to consult my mom. <laughs> <laughs> I had to consult the partner of Tuzini Farms, who is the chairperson, Wangala Zalumis. But I, ha I already had a figure in mind of what the business could afford. Yeah. You have to be realistic with what the business can afford. So I pay myself a salary. Sometimes I don't get paid. Like last month, I didn't get paid. You don't just so go I'll pay myself or... in areas. When the money comes from the maze, I'll pay myself in areas. That's what I do. Ah, okay. Yeah, so um, I live with my mom currently. But I'm the one that does the groceries. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm the one. Wait, who's you good. live with your mom? Yes, I live with my mom. But then earlier you said you only have lunch on Sunday together. I don't see her. Oh, okay. Okay, I live with my mom, but because she's busy, oh. we only see each other maybe at night. Or sometimes I'm on the other farm, so I don't see her. Oh. Yeah, so we only, we only like sit down now and have lunch together, whatever, maybe on a Sunday. During the week, it's a bit tough because the kids are there and then she comes home and sometimes she's in her room. I live on the other side of the house. so, But I won't be living with her for very long because I'm getting married soon. So I'm going to my own house now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You've been a good sport. Thank you very much for, for the conversation. Thank you. Thank yeah. you so um, much. I, I, I feel like there's still a lot to learn, but in the future, we'll, we'll invite you back. Thank you. Um, Thank you very much. I'm really honored and humbled to, yeah. to come. I don't do media interviews anymore. Why is that? I just want to stay away for a while and just focus on the farming. But I feel like that's that's a wrong attitude because people <laughs> still have to learn. You get a point, eh? Yeah. Because to be honest, you have become this huge farmer and I don't think you had a chance to listen to someone talk about farming on a podcast and whatnot yeah. and you succeeded. Yeah. So there is no excuse for someone right now who wants to do farming. There's no excuse because... The information is out there and you're giving it. Yeah, you know? I hear And I feel you. like for me, it's just basically, as like you said now, at some point, it's just about you yourself. Yeah. Th there is, there is, to be honest, there's no excuse. No. And right now it's easier to thrive because we are in this information generation. Yeah. Like it's everywhere. Just get your phone and anything you want to learn, you are going to learn. Exactly. So, yeah, thank you very much for... Thank you so much. ...finally being on the podcast. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so... After the marriage, I'm sure it'll be Maria something else. You yeah. have to get a new T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> you have to get a new shirt. Says, no, know? this is a brand, so you can continue, you know, yeah? with, with, with your with your Zalumi's surname. But, but there'll just be that person on Facebook. Mona, such a Zazine. Such a Zazine. No, but thank you very much for being here. And thank you guys for supporting the podcast. Um, we have a number of supporters for the podcast and we're really grateful. And uh, we look forward to more support. So please... Um, 
yeah, just be there for the podcast. We look forward to another conversation next week. This has been Maria Zalumis. Um, I'm hoping I'm saying that for the last time.